you guys, while you're getting yourself settled down, just, just with the person next to you, to say at least one reason why you're grateful to be here at church tonight, okay? Just while I'm getting settled, go ahead and talk to your neighbor. I'm back. Well, I am so grateful to be here together and to have all you wonderful faces here at church. Um, and if you are uh, if you are visiting with us or have not been here the last couple weeks, like I said earlier, we did start a new series. As you can see up on the screen, it looks real simple. It's called Simplify, and uh, and the concept is that really. In our chaotic lives, we tend to make Jesus and being a Christian a lot more complicated than it's supposed to be. And that to really be a Christian, the goal is really simple. Jesus needs to be in and involved with every area of our life. And we've been starting it the last several weeks by talking about the um, the Great Commission. I'm going to put it up on the screen here. Or not the Great Commission, the Greatest Commandment. I apologize. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all of your strength. That if we're going to talk about the most important areas of our life, we probably should start with the things that are most important to us. And the, and the commandment that Jesus said, look, if you're going to love God, you got to love Him like this. And so last, uh, last time we were together before the Super Bowl, Scott preached about loving God and having Jesus be with all your mind. And today, we're going to uh, we're going to transition to talking about with all of your strength. Now, when the Bible uses that word strength, the the Greek word that's used there means with all of your faculty and abilities, or specifically with the strength of your body. And so, we're going to be talking about our bodies. You might be wondering why I'm wearing a polo. I, I was intending on wearing my sport coat because it looks really good, but the collar kept coming up and it was bugging me, so I had to. Go down here, but I'm wearing my, my active faith polo, so it's very spiritual. On the back it says, in Jesus name I play, so it works. Um, you know, my background, if you didn't know, uh, I'm a kinesiology graduate in college, exercise science specifically, and I love studying the human body. I've been an athlete for years, but, but more importantly, I just, I love what our bodies are capable of. And so in some ways, this sermon's kind of destiny. It's like, like I've been waiting to preach this sermon my whole life. I'm very excited about it. But, uh, but God cares about our physical bodies. Amen? Towards the end of the Bible, in 3 John... Yeah, how many of you guys have read 3 John recently? In 3 John verse 2, because there's only one chapter, it says, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. I don't know about you, but that encourages me. That God cares about our souls and our eternal destiny, but He also cares cares about what the soul is in. And the world we live in is full of body image issues. Isn't it? Body dysmorphia is everywhere. Especially for Americans. We aren't skinny enough. We're not strong enough. We're not tall enough. We're not big enough. 
There's not the right, you're, you're on a right diet this week and the next week you find that that diet's going to kill you and you're supposed to do something else. Um, there's all these exercise programs. I was going to take a picture of all the equipment I've amassed over the years. And a lot of it was very niche equipment that I was like, oh yeah, maybe I'll try this. And I used it like twice. You know, but there's, there's all kinds of things that are geared around us having our bodies be at this ideal place. And we are struggling as people with appreciating what God has given us. Beyond just our physical, uh, the, uh, our diet and exercise, there's apps telling us to turn off our phones because we're getting too much screen time. You're not getting too much sleep and you're drinking too much coffee. Turn Netflix off. The coffee's not going to help you. Speaking of coffee, coffee's bad. No, it's good. No, it's, it's, it's bad when you're younger, but it will prevent Alzheimer's when you're older. It's true. It's there. Read it. So with all this stuff that's out there, how do we bring Jesus into taking care of our bodies? And so we're going to explore the spiritual thinking behind this. The title of the sermon today is called With All My Strength. I'm going to say a word of prayer and we're going to get into this. Father, I just want to thank you so much for the opportunity to, uh, to, to dive into this subject in your word. God, I pray that you'll help us to just continually have our eyes open to, to how you want us to simplify our lives and just bring Jesus into the important areas. I pray right now that you'll clear out the distractions, clear out the things that would keep us from being present here with you today. And God, speak through me as I preach your word and help us all to walk away with, with, with having something in mind that we want to, that we need to change, that we need to maybe do differently or that maybe we need to do better at, at having Jesus be Lord of our bodies as we love you with all of our strength. God, we love you. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so I want to open this up for a second. I got a question for us. What connection does our physical health have with our spiritual health? I want to get some hands. This is not rhetorical. In the back, Bessie. Sure, there can, it kind of removes some barriers that can be there, even mentally, the fog that we can sometimes be in. Connor? Maybe the discipline that it takes for physical health can carry over into your spiritual health? Absolutely, we're going to talk about that, that, that obviously physical exercise, it takes discipline, and that's good for our characters. Perseverance, pushing through. Yes! Learning how to keep going when it hurts a bit. We as people tend to like go until it hurts and then stop. But exercise, exercise and even our diets and different things like that, they challenge us to do things that make us uncomfortable or hurt a little bit. What else? Michelle? I think along the lines of Bessie, when, um, when you're having bad health over and over again, you tend to have doubts that God's even there for you or that's why he's even there for you. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about that. But our, 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 spiritual, our physical health tends to create a lot of insecurity that translates into our spiritual thinking. Okay? Aaron? Yeah, absolutely. Paul talks about physical health a lot. And he says, you know, physical training is of some value. Now, at the core of it, godliness is what counts, but it does have value. Okay, Jeff, last one. Yeah, yeah, nobody can get you to be physically in shape. You know, that's, that's, there's a truth to that. Notice how there's a lot of men responding to this question this time. Most of the time, the men's are quiet, men are quiet, and the women tend to respond to the spiritual questions. A little better. 
Alright, we're going to read in the Bible. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to read a scripture that constantly gets taken out of context. Constantly. Your body is a temple. Alright, we're going to pick up in verse 12. I'll give you guys a minute. I love the sound of pages turning, by the way. A physical Bible never loses power. Alright, starting in verse 12. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and for the, and the Lord for the body. By His power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and He will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is the one is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you've received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Alright. There's a lot to be taken from in here. And there's obviously we're going to talk about some of the sexual sin stuff, but but there is an overarching thing here in this in this passage that we've got to see about how much God cares about what we do with our bodies. Amen. That our physical bodies matter. That God God cares about your soul. Amen. But God cares about your body as well. And there are some deep concepts that are wrapped into these verses that we want to talk about here. Point number one is God's property. You know, this this passage starts off here in verse 13 by talking about um, your body is meant for the Lord. Later on in verse 20, it says you were bought at a price. You are not your own. The idea is that what we have here. It's not yours. It's God's. Not just your soul. Again, not, He doesn't just care about where you are in eternity, but He cares about what happens here. Your physical body belongs to God. You know, the challenge, part of what, what Paul's addressing here is the Corinthians, 2,000 years ago, struggled with something that, that a lot of us in America tend to struggle with. But when he brings up the whole idea, the stomach for food, the food for the stomach, it was a Corinthian thinking that, look, this body's wasting away. Just do with it as you will. You know, you want to eat something, eat it. Your body craves food, then go eat it. Whatever you want to do, just do it, do it as you will. And so he's addressing this by saying, look, no, 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 no. God didn't entrust you with this to do with it as you want. He entrusted it to you with something bigger. And this goes completely against American culture. 100%. Everything about our culture is that your body is yours. Right? You do with it as you will. Think about even some of the political and social issues that are out there that have to do with, with your body is your own. You have the right to do with it as you will. You have the right to smoke what you want, drink what you want, eat what you want, dress it however you want to. Do with it as you will because it's yours and nobody can tell you what to do with it. And Paul just said, no, that's not how it works. You are not yours. 
Think about even how we communicate, how we feel about our body. All the negative things that you think or say out loud about how you feel about yourself physically. God's saying, that's not yours to condemn. That's mine. Paul is, re- is literally telling us here that your body is valuable to God. Your physical body. And I want you to even think about this for a minute. Because if, if our body belongs to God, if it's God's property, then that means we have to change in our thinking to not think about our bodies as, as owners, but as managers. You're a manager of your body, not an owner of it. But I want us to think then about how that would affect our thinking about our bodies. Just, just let it marinate rhetorically. If I treat my body as a manager of God's property, how would that affect the way that you treat your body? You can think about things like eating and exercise that are, that are obvious there, but there's, there's a lot more than that. Screen time, which you allow to go in it. Think about sleep. Think about how, how many times you punish your body by not letting it sleep because you're like me and binging on Netflix sometimes late at night when you should just go to bed. That's me thinking like an owner and not a manager. And if we really look at this, man, this is a challenging thought to consider. It makes me really uncomfortable to preach this from a pulpit. Okay, but I'll, I'll take it a step further, right? For any of us that have, that have rented properties... At the end of, at the end of your time renting, what are you hoping to get back? A security deposit, right? You're really hoping that you've taken good enough care of it. So if your body belongs to God, would you get your deposit back? And again, this, and we'll talk about this a lot, this has nothing to do with vanity or whether or not you've got the right muscles or waist size. This has everything to do with, man, have I treated my body in a way that honors it is God's property as belonging to God. At different points in the Bible, God makes clear that he actually will entrust us with physical things to see how we do with it because he wants to entrust us with spiritual things. Will we use what he gave us to honor him? You think about the parable of the talents that Jesus brings up. It says that, 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 that the master gives talents to his servants to see how they use them. And the ones that used it, they used it to honor him, used it righteously, they get more. The ones that, the one that didn't, gets it taken away. Money. This shows up all through the Bible talking about money. There's a, a passage that's, it's almost a little haunting to me at times, but it's, but it's really challenging. Luke 16, 11. Talks about, man, if you, if you are not trustworthy with worldly riches, then how will he trust you with heavenly ones? What we do with the things that God gives us matters. So how we manage our physical health, it does have a huge effect on our spiritual health. You know, in verse 15, something you might have overlooked there, it says, um, I'm in the wrong chapter. There you go. Uh, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? You know, when the, when the passage says that, he's not talking about church as we tend to associate it with. He's actually still talking about your physical body. Our physical body is connected to the body of Christ. So, let's try, I'm gonna do my best to try to explain this in the thing, in the way I think it, it means here. 
How we take care of ourselves physically is a testimony and of a reflection of who Jesus is in our lives. Now, I know that this is a weird subject to touch on. I don't know that I've ever heard somebody preach about this on a Sunday before. And we go to a lot of weird places in our head about this kind of stuff. Like, is God, is God saying we gotta be a certain size? Is God saying we're supposed to be a certain body fat? No. He's not saying that. And that happens naturally with this. But I want to encourage us to try to get, get out of that thinking here to see what, what God's really intending. We are not supposed to be a certain size or body fat percentage. If that were the case, then why would God make us all different? Right? We're not all the same size. But this is also not about vanity either. God is not saying, as long as you can bench press 250 pounds, you have, you have a waist that's this big, then you represent Jesus. That would be completely counterproductive to what he's trying to get at here. You could be, you could be in the greatest shape of your life and not be representing Jesus. Right? But the question that we gotta ask, that we gotta ask ourselves with this is, if I'm a reflection of the body of Christ, if somebody is supposed to look at my life, not just specifically my physical appearance, but, but my life is a holistic thing, then my physical, my physical health has a part to do with that, then how would, if I'm representing the body of Christ, how would Jesus have treated his body? And I don't know if you, if you're like me and have ever like wondered what Jesus looked like. I'm not talking about like, what his face was or what, what skin tone he was. But I often wonder like what Jesus' body looked like. You know, this is 2,000 years ago. They were walking everywhere. He was a, he was a son of a carpenter. Like, he had to have been tough. I actually have this great story. When I first uh, moved back to California and went to Cal State San Bernardino, I was meeting with a teacher as an advisor. And I was trying to just get input about, about the kinesiology program. And I started sharing my faith with them a little bit. And, uh, okay, just to clarify here, I'm going to use the word mother, but it's not in a bad context, okay? Just go, all right. So, he said, he said, bro, Jesus, that's a bad mother right there. I want you to think about something. He carried a tree on his back up a mountain. That's a bad man right there. I will never forget that. But... <laughs> yeah, it, you'll never forget that, okay? You, that might be the only thing you remember from this sermon, okay? Jesus was a bad man. He carried a tree on his back up a mountain. But you think Jesus would have taken care of his physical body? Yes. Was he trying to chase a certain size? No. This wasn't a vanity thing. This is just God has given me this to take care of. I want to reflect it. Well, we are God's property. Point number two. Oh, there was the scripture. One master. In verse 12, we'll read it again. It says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. This is a powerful verse. Incredibly powerful. Because one of the main things that Paul's addressing here is that he's, he's taking us back to the Old Testament. The only master of our lives, the only Lord of our lives is supposed to be God. 
It's supposed to be Jesus, right? Going back to the Ten Commandments. There's one Master, or one Lord, serve Him only. Right? But the challenge is, as people, we are prone to idolatry. We're prone to addiction. We're prone to slave thinking as human beings. I've got a video I want to show here in just a moment. So, Bev, you make sure it's uh, uh, got the volume up. This is a, a Weight Watchers promo from a few years ago. And I'm going to elaborate on it a little bit because it hits it. I want to make sure, you know, it's okay to laugh, okay? This is, it's meant to be lighthearted. But let's watch this commercial real quick. If you're happy and you know it, eat a snack. If you're happy and you know it, eat a snack. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, eat a snack. If you're sad and you know it, eat a snack. If you're sad and you know it, eat a snack. If you're sad because you're angry, feeling down, or generally bad. If you're sad, eat a snack. If you're bored and you know it, eat a snack. If you're lonely and you know it, eat a snack. If you're sleepy and you know it, if you're guilty and you know it, if you're stressed, eat a snack. I've done that, okay? If you're human and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're human, eat your feelings, eat a snack. You got to love that. So part of what I love about this commercial, it's funny, first of all, right? But it, it perfectly illustrates us as people and how prone we are to addiction. There's been so much study on the base of addiction and where it comes from. And very little of it has to do with the substance. What I mean by that is like, is heroin is addictive as a substance, but that's not where addiction comes from. Addiction actually comes from there's some part of our life that we've stopped wanting to manage anymore or is felt beyond us. And so instead of processing it, we've substituted feeling and, and going about it in a healthy way and substituting it with a thing. Could be food, could be alcohol, could be drugs, could be video games, could be social media, could be all kinds of different things. So addictions are not are not this 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 is in a bubble that has to do with things that are illegal. And really, as he, as it talks about, it, you know, if you're human and you know it, eat your feelings, have a snack. It's when we stop when we start trying to avoid what our life is. And I don't want to even just target food addictions specifically at this time. Because there are addictions that we look at and we see them as an obvious problem. Right? Alcohol, drugs, if, you, if you've been any kind of, if, if that's been a thing for you or if you know somebody in your family that that's been a thing for you, you know how damaging that can be. But there's also a lot of things that we would look at in our lives that really have started to master us that we would dismiss as not a big deal. We would dismiss as something that, that doesn't really have the same kind of effect. You know, no, 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 no. It's not, you know, I can turn it off whenever I want to. I put my phone down. You know, I only get on Facebook a couple times a day. Or, you know, the things that we tell ourselves that really, they're, they're quietly dismissing the fact that they've started to master us. You know, food has never, spe- never specifically been my issue. That's not been something that, that I've looked to, to to process life. And, and it's something that, man, the, the more that I talk to people, I mean, I super feel for people if that's, if that's one of your vices, if that's your thing. 
Because I, I, I mean, the idea of having something that you need in order to survive, be a, be a source of addiction, that, that's, man, that is uniquely challenging. You know, at the same time, I've shared this over and over again at church about the years that I've struggled with pornography. I've had my own struggles with things that I've that have mastered me. For years, I was trapped in that. Even still, maybe even in a more ridiculous way, video games. You wouldn't necessarily look at me as a 30-year-old, as a father of three, and go, man, this guy struggles with video games. And honestly, I know how stupid it sounds saying it out loud. Okay, don't judge me. But the truth is, there have been plenty of times in my life that just, it's easier to go into some fantasy world on, a, on an Xbox than it is to deal with how I'm feeling about life. Paul is challenging this part of our heart. You know, Jesus said this when he talked specifically about money, but he said, you know, we as people, we're not good enough to serve more than one master. With money specifically, he said, you're either going to love one and hate the other. So when Paul uses this scripture and he says, look, I will not be mastered by anything. He's saying, look, if something has replaced God in your life, if that's what rules your life, then you're missing what God has intended for this body of yours. You know, the other side of this too is that your body can be a master. We can become slaves of vanity. You know, they joke around about this a lot, but they've proven this. They call them CrossFit cults. These people that just completely submerse themselves. Lacey's trying not to make eye contact with me. <laughs> but, no, Lacey's awesome. Lacey's awesome. But people that just, that CrossFit becomes life. And they just, they, they want to look a certain way. They're trying to hit some repetition maximum. They, they want to be able to qualify for the games. The, the, the body has become their master. Bodybuilders, the same thing. But even if this isn't you, your body can still be your master. Our body was not meant to be a temple for my ego. And oftentimes in my life, it has been. In college, early on, when I, when I really started going after working out, and I was hitting the gym like five times a week or whatever it may be, I was feeling really good about myself. But I, I used to wear really tight shirts. Half of it because I'm cheap and I don't like buying new clothes. It's really hard for me to give myself over to buying new clothes. But the other part of it is that even though I dismissed it and I didn't, I never out loud said it, there's a part of me that I liked the way I looked. And so my body had become my master. You know, as I've gotten older and had more responsibilities in my life, there has been some things I've wrestled with with this. Not specifically about the vanity stuff, but that that taking care of my body, exercise, it's, it's hard. It's a lot harder now. It's a lot harder to find the time with three kids. It's a lot harder to be motivated. My back hurts a lot more. And I know I'm only in my 30s, okay, for all the, for all the boomers and, and out there, you know, like, don't judge me for being 30. But at that same time with that, I've totally seen the value that it has for my spiritual character. Paul references things like this a couple times in his letter. You know, the famous chapter in chapter 9 after this, where he talks about running the race to win the prize. There's that scripture where he's very mean to his body. Strikes a blow to it. He beats it to make it his slave. Other translations say, I discipline my body so that I I can do what I want with it. 
The idea with it is him saying, man, that, that, that our discipline of ourselves physically, it matters for us spiritually. Last year I had the opportunity to run a, a Spartan Beast with Aaron Domingo and, uh, and Bill. And uh, if you've ever had the, the pleasure of running something like that, it's miserable. Okay? 13 miles in Big Bear, 5,000 feet of elevation the whole time. It took us like seven hours to finish. I, I don't know that I have pushed my... I, I did wrestling in high school and that was hard. I don't know that I pushed myself for one thing the way I had to for this. I mean, the training element, but more than that, man, just being on the mountain and trying to convince myself not to quit. I mean, thank God I had those guys there with me because it was a mental struggle. It was a, I'm literally quoting Isaiah 40 to myself. They'll walk and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. You know, they'll soar on wings like eagles. God, please help me. <laughs> Trying not to die on the mountainside. But it was a super challenging character test for me. It made me super respect Bill because he's done that race time, so many times by himself. That man is a beast. He's also a masochist. But he is a beast. Alright? Anybody that does that to themselves alone on purpose, you're a masochist, okay? But like was said in this though, a lot of spiritual insecurity can be rooted in our physical health. And insecurity can master us. We can be mastered by weak character. You know, you think about it, when, you, when you're not feeling well physically, you don't, you're not motivated. Not just to go to the gym, but not motivated to do much of anything. Coming to church can be hard. You don't sleep well. When I'm not exercising well, uh, often, I don't sleep well at all. Back hurts more. I have spasms. Not willing to push myself when it's hard, when I'm not exercising. All of us have deep spiritual and character weaknesses that are hard to overcome. Just for, let's take this, the physical side of it away for a second. There are deep spiritual weaknesses that we can struggle with that are really hard to overcome. Maybe your physical health is a good place to start. You know, there's a, there's a speech that was passed around a lot a few years ago. It was, a, it was a something in the military. I can't remember what his position was, but he talked about, you want to be great, start by making your bed. Remember that one, the make your bed speech? The idea, right, is that, is that it sets you on a course to being able to conquer bigger things in the day. If you start with even taking care of your physical health, oftentimes that can help you to, to move on to bigger things that are deeper spiritual issues. So consider that maybe. Point number three. Last point. Holy temple. We got time here, ushers. Just, just hold off. Verse 19. I'm going to reread this again. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? This scripture bothers me so much because it gets misused so often in our world today. You know, we think about a temple, we think about being a certain size or shape or whatever. Or maybe even you go to other places. Like when you think of a temple, what goes through your mind is something like that. The Parthenon. Has anybody had the chance to see the Parthenon? <sighs> Envious. It's a character weakness. Um, I really want to go see the Parthenon and go visit Greece at some point, but... Not there yet. But this is a massive temple, beautiful temple, thousands and thousands of years old. Right? I'll show you this picture. This is, you probably even can't see me. Right, right there in the middle. 
So this is uh, a city in in uh, in, uh, in Jordan called Jeresh. It's a, it's a Roman city, ancient Roman city that's still there in in the country of Jordan. And this is the temple of Zeus that they built there. And you can see, I mean, like I'm standing right where Zeus's statue would have been standing. Really amazing thing to stand in. All right. So when we think about a temple, so so Paul is saying your bodies are a temple. For the Holy Spirit. What he's referring to is not these, not these big, massive, overwhelming Greek things or, or some superficial thing that we hear today. He was referring, he was talking to, to Jews and people that would have been thinking about, uh, uh, God's temple. Okay? What's special about that is God's temple was sacred. It was holy. And this is lost on us. Well, whatever. This is lost on us as Americans. I, I preached a sermon years ago out of a really cool Bible study of the progression of the temple from the Old Testament to the New Testament. God, God introducing the tabernacle and the ark with Moses and the, and the tent of meeting and then moving on to actually building a physical temple, but then moving on to what we see here now that, that God's perfect temple wasn't a building. It was us. It was our physical bodies. It's powerful. But as, as you dive into that and you, and you read the scriptures in the Old Testament where God describes the temple and how sacred and holy it was, they're, they're crazy. He was so detailed about the way he wanted it built, what kind of materials to use, what color it needed to be. There were parts of the temple that were so holy that if you went in there and you weren't a priest, you died. We can't even process that. Right? There's a story in the Old Testament about Uzzah where the ark fell over and he went to stop it from falling and he touched it and died because it was so holy. That's the reference to the temple that Paul's bringing up here. This is a holy, a sacred place. What that means then for us is that God chose your body as a perfect place for the greatest treasure he ever gave. Let that marinate. You, your physical body is storing the most important treasure on earth. Now, I want you to take a second but to think about how you view your body. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? This is rhetorical. Please don't answer out loud. Me, I am deeply insecure. I met, I started meeting with a therapist recently who's asking me even some questions about some of the stuff and the way I see myself physically. And most of my self-image is not good. Now I feel healthy, but I don't look at myself in a positive way. I see all the flaws, I see all the damage, all the things I don't like, all the things that are uneven, whatever. You know, growing up, I was never bigger overweight, I was actually the opposite. I was the skinny kid. I was the kid that went through puberty way too late. So oftentimes I got bullied growing up. For being the small kid, I was shoved into trash cans multiple times. And what that created in me is this insecurity that I have to be a certain size, otherwise I'll never get respect. No, no guy will treat me as a man as a respect unless I weigh a certain weight, if I have a certain kind of muscles. Like I've got to look a certain way if I'm going to be respected in this world. That's my internal struggle. 
And I'm sure many of us know this, but Psalm 139 is a beautiful psalm. What it tells us is that God created you in your mother's womb beautiful. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Those words just, it's like a warm blanket. You, with all the things that you see that are flaws, your physical body, the way it's aching, and you know, I was reading in Romans 8 this morning, it talks about that we're, we're all decaying. That's a biblical thing. You, with all of your decay, are fearfully and wonderfully made for the greatest treasure to ever be on earth. You know, going back to the temple, I mentioned that God is very specific about how he wanted his temple built. The dimensions, the colors, the materials. You know, it's the detail that's part of what made his temple holy. It wasn't because he liked the color blue. It wasn't because he thought it looked overly good or anything necessarily. It was the details that is part of what set it apart. You know, the word holiness, whenever it shows up in the Bible, what it means is it means set apart. It means different. It means unique. It means holy. I just repeated myself. If that's how God wants us to treat, view, and adorn a building, what about the bodies that he made in his image? What about the temple that reflects his glory? So I got some, some things for us to even consider with that. What does holiness mean for the way we dress? And I'm not trying to single out the women here. This is for the brothers too. You know, something I bring up a lot. You know, the temple was adorned very specifically. And, and I think you need to come, you can come as you are. God's not going to condemn you for coming into the building wearing shorts and sandals, Connor. <laughs> but if you would make effort for a date to impress your significant other, what about God? Shouldn't you make an effort for God? I'm not saying you've got to be in a tie. But if you think about it more when you're going on a date, maybe you should think about it when you're coming to church. You know, I, I think about this even when, in the context of tattoos, and I'm not against them. But if there's not something you would put on the outside of God's physical temple, should it be on yours? What about what we watch and listen to? If we're a temple for the Spirit, would the music you listen to or the shows you watch be offensive to the Spirit that's in you? Would you play an episode of Game of Thrones in church? Why not? Because this is holy. It's supposed to be sacred and so are you. You know, a huge part of this passage as well is Paul addressing a sexual purity with this. And this is a deeply important factor for holiness. And this is deeply personal to me. I've shared over and over again about the, about the struggles I've had with pornography throughout my life. And what Paul actually addresses here in this passage, he does something that he doesn't, that, that the rest of the Bible doesn't do. If you notice there, he says, whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. All other sins a man commits are outside of his body. What he's saying with that is he's saying sexual sin has a different effect on you. Not not that in heaven God's going to judge it differently. That's not how it works. But it's like it's kind of like all right, the difference like lying and murder is still the same in God's judgment, but it has a different effect, right? 
Why is sexual sin so much more damaging? Part of what Paul's talking about is that because you're supposed to be a temple. This is supposed to be a place of holiness. What goes in here, what goes in here, what goes in here is supposed to be something that, that, that feeds the sacredness of God. So sexual sin does have a different effect. Anybody that has wrestled with this knows it damages you in a different way. It has a lasting impact that other sin doesn't. And it's, that's why it's that much more important that purity is so good. You know, and I do want to say something really quickly with this, because in our world today, God, the Bible, and Christianity get demonized about sex. You know, it's oftentimes it's oftentimes said that God hates sex, or that there's something He just views it all in a negative way. He doesn't. Sex is awesome. It's good. It's right. It's holy, but it's meant to be in a context and approached with purity. There's a difference. And it doesn't matter if you're single or you're married. These are things for all of us to consider about where our heads, where, where, what kind of stuff are we letting into our hearts. The last part of this point about us being a holy temple is in verse 14. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. All right, real short. But smack in the middle of this discourse about our physical bodies he brings heaven and eternity into the mix. Right? So what does he mean by all this? I don't know. I wish I could tell you accurately. All of what I think Paul is trying to explain to us here. But I think some of what he's trying to communicate to us is what we do with this physical body is going to have an effect on our eternal body. You know, this body that you have, it's 1.0. After Jesus resurrects, 2.0. But it doesn't necessarily mean a more muscular or trimmed down version of you. It's probably going to be you. No, good example of that. Think about when Jesus resurrected after three days. It was still Jesus. He had the scars. He was hungry. But then he had weird things like apparently he could kind of walk through walls or something. There's that scripture where it says that the, the disciples were locked in a room, but then Jesus appeared among them. <laughs> Try to explain that one to me. So there's something about our bodies that are going to be different. But he is saying that what we do with this body, it's going to have an effect on something with eternity. As we wrap up, I want to reread verse 20 here. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. God thinks that your body is valuable enough that he paid for your body with Jesus on the cross. What that communicates to me is that this is a lot more of a spiritual issue than we think. It's the ushers, guys. Don't worry. They're just going to get us ready for communion. <laughs> How we take care of our physical body is a deeper spiritual issue than we think. If, if it wasn't important to God, then why would he send Jesus to die for it? But the other side of this, well, God wants us at our best physically, partially because he wants us to be at our best spiritually. He wants you to be able to give, to serve, to love. And I can't do that when I'm not in a good physical place. 
But the truth is, this is a perpetual journey. In Romans 12.1, I'm just going to reference it here. Paul instructs the church, he says, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. He literally says, Use your physical body as an act of worship. You know, but the trouble with that is that whole living sacrifice concept. A dead sacrifice doesn't get off the altar. A living one kind of wiggles its way off the altar from time to time. Right? You know what that communicates to me is that we tend to struggle with just keeping this up. We want to take care of ourselves. We want to do well spiritually, have good quiet times, and then we wiggle off the altar again. And we're back in it. Wouldn't it be nice if just to be done physically? You know, just reach this thing and just God's like, all right, check, stamped, it's done. You're just going to be at this place until you die. I would love for that. But I want to I want to close here with with a question that Jesus asked in John five verse six. The only time he ever asked this question, Jesus healed people constantly in the Gospels. But for whatever reason, in this interaction in John chapter five, he's talking to an invalid who had been lying on a mat for thirty eight years. He'd been debilitated, physically out of it, not doing well mentally, spiritually, anything. And instead of just walking up and putting his hands on the guy, he asked him a question. He said, do you want to get well? This is a haunting question. This is the question that changed my relationship with God when I was in college. Because part of what it communicated to me is that I have to be willing to own being healthy and being well. On a deeper character, spiritual level, with my own repentance, but also physically, with exactly what we're talking about. God is not going to flip some magic switch and all of a sudden we're all in the peak shape of our life. He's asking us, do you want to get well? Do you want to do some hard things in order to eat healthy? Do you want to say no to enjoying some more pleasure at night watching Netflix so that you can go to sleep on time? Do you want to do things? Are you willing to do things that will help you to be well? If we're going to love Jesus with all of our strength, consider these things. Consider your exercise. Consider your diet. Consider your sleep. Consider balance. The core of it is it's balance. But also I want to encourage you to consider getting help and being humble. If this has been an area that you struggle with, I know that it can be a vulnerable thing. But get help. So that we can give our best in loving God with all of our strength. We're going to take communion together right now. But I want us to process this point, that Jesus died for our bodies to be made holy. Again, that's not a, si- that's not a size preference. That's not a certain body fat percentage. Jesus died for your body to be made holy. For God's most precious possession to dwell in you. And I want you to try something for me today as you take communion here. Okay? It might sound cheesy. You might feel completely uncomfortable. You don't have to say it out loud. But as you take communion, I want you to tell God, thank you that I am worthy. Thank you that this body and all of its weaknesses is worthy of the most precious possession you had to give. Thank you that my body was worthy of dying for to be a holy place for you. Let's say a word of prayer and let's take communion together.
God, I just want to thank you so much for the opportunity to, uh, to learn how to give you our best in all areas of life. God, to learn how to love you with every fiber of us, God. And I thank you so much that you found us worthy to send Jesus to die for us, God. Not, not, not just in an eternal way for our souls, but, but for our physical bodies with all of its cracks, with all of its aging, with all of its things that we don't like about it. God, that you found it worthy of dying for. I pray that you help us, as this passage says, that you help us to honor you with our body. We love you. We thank you. It's your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.